Welcome to the Women's Business Workshop Podcast, a space created to help you connect during your busy day, gain new business skills while on the go, and find small, actionable steps you can use to create the business and life you crave. I'm your host, Robin Walker, a fifth-generation entrepreneur with a planning background and experience running multiple businesses ranging from product to service-based. Strategic planning and goal setting have always been at the forefront. I strive to help women like you build their businesses through one-on-one strategic planning and coaching, impactful group accountability programs, and in-person events like the annual two-day Lakeside Conference in Southern Wisconsin. Our group thrives on the support and camaraderie that women can provide each other while reaching for our dreams and raising our families. When you are ready to finally achieve that big goal and get the accountability to get there, I invite you to join us in the Impact Membership Circle. We meet for quarterly goal setting, action step creation, and mastermind calls to keep you on task. We have a spot waiting just for you. Welcome to season two. I am showcasing some of my favorite business experts that will be speaking at the 2020 Lakeside Conference. A lot of you listening are experts in your field. Maybe originally you were hired by a company or business and your clients were given to you. As you go out on your own and become the owner of your business, you now have to bring in your own clients and sales. For women in helper roles like therapists, coaches, counselors, this can be really hard and usually requires some mindset work. There is a different way though, a way to make sales using the service mindset you already have and apply in your business. Sales is a skill set we need to learn and keep honing, but it can be done without the spam and sleazy tactics. We have a repeat guest today that I'm always thrilled to have on the show, and she's going to help us walk through relationship selling. Nikki Rausch, the CEO of Sales Maven, an organization dedicated to authentic selling, she has the unique ability to transform the misunderstood process of selling. With 25 years of experience selling to such prestigious organizations as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Hewlett Packard, and NASA, Nikki shattered sales records in many industries, receiving multiple top producer awards along the way. But Nikki can also train women of all business levels, including the solopreneur and the small business owner. Welcome to the show, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm very honored to be here with you. Well, we're honored to have you again. This is a hard topic, I think, and you deliver it in such a natural way. Integrity and putting people first is really at the heart of most of our businesses. And I know I personally am very careful putting anyone in front of my audience that isn't genuine or looking out for their best interest. And your, your approach to sales was such a breath of fresh air and really fit my values and my mission of how I want women in my group to be treated. And so it really, really spoke to me. And I'm going to give an example of one of your posts on your page, which I think this reflects why women flock to you so well for selling advice. When we're picturing sales, like us personally, when we're picturing our sales, we're picturing trying to convince someone to buy something that maybe they wouldn't buy if we weren't convincing them. If we didn't sell hard enough, they're not going to buy from us. But it goes against our nature as helpers. And I think a lot of women are are naturally helpers and we want to support people. So you had posted, when real conversations happen, real connections happen. 
obviously I love that because of running an in-person conference and that's when real relate real relationships and conversations happen. Go on to say that's why it's so important to focus on building relationships. So for a lot of people that are coming into the conversation thinking of sales as something you do to someone to get something, how does building relationships, how does that relate to sales? I love this question <laughs> so much. So I truly believe that it is not your job to try to convince anybody to buy from you that, and, and you said like that when you show up with that convincer type um, attitude and approach, then you are talking at people. And frankly, we are talked at in every aspect of our business, in every aspect of our life just constantly we're being talked at and people are sick of it. We want to be talked with and relationships happen when conversation happens and sales happen when conversation happens. And conversation means that it's two ways. It's back and forth. I always describe it as it's like, it's like a wave that comes in and, and lands softly on the shore and like rolls up the sand and then it recedes that's conversation. It's this like really soothing back and forth. So it isn't about convincing people. It is truly about finding out what is important to this other person. What's going on for them in their life? What, what, what are they needing right now? What problem do they have? What, what's their wish? What's their ultimate dream? And if you have something that makes that connection for them is going to help them meet that problem, solve that need, or, you know, grant them that wish, then it's really your job to put an offer in front of them. And I always describe it as, it's like putting your, like holding your hand out, just, you know, palm facing up, placing your offer in the palm of your hand and not trying to shove it down somebody's throat, but just holding it between the two of you. And if they want it, offering them the opportunity to take it. It isn't about forcing. It's not about convincing. I really, um, I only use the convincer word in one strategy, which is, has to do with the way people make decisions, but it is not your job to convince. It's your job to understand and then earn the business. You had me at the beach analogy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the beach is my happy place. So someone might be listening to this and think, Okay, so I built the relationship. I know this person. So that means now I can sell to them, right? Not necessarily. Like, have they given you any permission? Have they given you any interest? Now, it's, it's okay to like check the waters, right? Like, it's okay to dip your toe in the water, but it is not okay to just like dive in and go right into sales mode. So I do teach a five-step process, which I call the selling staircase. And they're... I always say, as the person who is the seller in the conversation, you do not get to skip these steps. If you jump from introduction to close, that's you're skipping four of the major steps in the selling process. And when you do that, you really turn people off and you oftentimes convince them to never buy from you again. And when they see you at an event, they go the other way or they you know, quickly dart their eyes to look at someone else so that they don't have to be in conversation with you. So you don't get to skip steps in the selling process. It's your job to seamlessly guide somebody up the selling staircase, up, you know, step by step by step, 
Now, on the flip side of that, I will say your clients can skip steps. Somebody can come right up to you and be like, Robin, I heard about your conference. My friend, you know, Nikki went to it and she raves about how awesome it is. I want to buy a ticket. I don't want you to say now, wait a minute. We didn't go through all the steps. You can't buy a ticket yet. I want you to say, great. Here's how you buy a ticket. Take her money, sell her ticket. She gets to skip the steps. You only get to skip steps when your clients are ready to skip steps. You have to follow the steps in the selling process. Otherwise, you turn people off, you confuse them, you cause them to decide to buy from somebody else. So just because you meet someone or just because you have a relationship doesn't mean you get to just sell. I agree that you feel totally used. If, yeah. if you've nurtured a relationship with someone purely from hey, you know, I just met you at school or, or what, you know, whatever environment you've met them in and you've built a relationship and then you get a message about this great opportunity they have. And if you just watch this video, you know, you'll, you'll want to buy and then they follow up with, <laughs> you haven't met and then you don't comment and then you get another message asking, did you get a chance to watch the video? You just feel so used and it makes you wonder, were they just building this relationship the whole time just so that they could sell to me? Yeah. And I think that's a really tricky, especially people who are like, I just want to be, you know, nice to everybody and I want to have integrity. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that? Especially like, let's say at a live event where you are meeting people and you do want to make connections that might convert in the future in some way, shape or form. Yeah. How do you balance that? So you are building the relationship authentically, but at the same time, possibly move it into another direction. Does that make sense? Yes. So when you are at an event or when you're meeting somebody, the five, so really quickly, I'm just going to address the five steps sure. because there's the introduction phase. This is when you're meeting somebody and you're making a powerful first impression. The next step, the second step in the selling staircase is the creating curiosity. And this is the step that most people miss right? So it is your job to test the waters. It is your job to create a little curiosity. But if the other person doesn't pick up on it, isn't curious, doesn't ask questions, doesn't ask to the ne like to like initiate any next step, then it's not okay for you to just jump right into sales. Because the next step in the selling process, the third step is discovery. That's finding out, do they have a need or a want or a desire for this? And if the answer is no, you don't get to move to the next step, which is the fourth step is the proposal. That's when you make an offer to them. And then the last step, the fifth step is the close. So just because you've met somebody at an event, and even because maybe they've expressed a little bit of interest, you shouldn't go right in for the close. You issue the invitation to move them to the next step. That's, that's really your job. So just meeting somebody and then out of the blue, sending them an email, asking them to watch a video, which by the way, is an absolute terrible, terrible way to sell. <laughs> yes. Like your job is to earn the business, not to send somebody a video and give them homework. Like that is, I'm so turned off by that approach. And anybody who is recommending to salespeople to sell that way, I feel like fire that person today and get a new sales coach because they are giving you terrible advice. I don't so, even have time to watch my Netflix show, <laughs> let alone your sales video. Exactly. Nobody wants to watch a sales video. And if they do, then you have it available. But really your job 
should be an opportunity to have a discussion with that person, find out what their needs are, and then show them when you get to the proposal how what your product is or your solution solves that need or problem. It, by sending a video, you're taking the rapport building opportunity out of the mix, and it's a huge mistake because like I'm, again, I'm so turned off by this. Like, <laughs> and I've had this happen to me before. I actually had somebody send me a video and then she got really offended when I didn't watch it. First of all, cause she sent it to the wrong email address, but then she wanted me to watch it while we were on the call. And I was like, that is oh, such gosh. a missed opportunity. <laughs> like you should be telling me about the video. And then when I said, I'm not interested, she pretty much hung up on me. And so our relationship was now over. She ended the relationship by <laughs> treating me so like badly when I never initiated showing any interest at all in her product, right? But I did have interest in her as a person. And who knows, I don't even know what she's doing now because I don't have any engagement or interaction with her at all. But, you know, things change. And just because you are selling something today doesn't mean that's what you're going to be selling in five years or even a year from now. So be really careful with your relationships. You don't want to burn bridges and sending people videos and being offended when they, you know, gracefully tell you, no, thank you. Like that isn't a time to be offended. So I, I that was a long answer to your question, but I did also <laughs> want to say like one of the things I think is really important as somebody who's putting themselves out there and going to events and meeting and connecting with people, I will say in, in your defense as the potential buyer, get really clear on how to say no gracefully and mean it. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we struggle with a lot learning yeah. about. I mean, I'm in my forties and I'm learning boundaries now for things <laughs> that I should have had boundaries with back when I was 20. Yeah. But it is totally okay to say to somebody, I appreciate you asking, or I appreciate you sending me this information, or I, I appreciate you, you know, showing me your information and no, thank you. It's mm -hmm. totally okay to say like, I appreciate you and no, thank you. I'm not interested. And not and then, needing to give a big reason. No, you don't need to oh, give a gosh. reason. If your answer is no, your answer is no. Now, if they want to ask in a kind way, why you're declining, that's okay too. And I actually do teach that language. Although I don't recommend ever asking the question unless you have followed the steps and you get to the place where you propose an offer and they've declined, there is an opportunity there to check to see, like maybe you missed a step with them or maybe there's some information you need to know about your approach. And if they feel candid enough to share with you, not to earn their business, not to change their mind, but for you to be better in the next sales situation. It seems like it's such a mindset shift from what we've always thought of sales. It feels more like a sitting back listening versus the moving forward, almost attacking, <laughs> aggressive, that when you think of that stereotype of a salesperson, you think of that. And even in, in my situation, one of my kids was talking, you know, we always say you'd be so good at sales because he's relationship based and mm -hmm. he loves to serve and help people with their problems. But when I say that people go, oh gosh, is he like manipulative or is he, you know, oh. they immediately think of a negative connotation yeah. and I'm saying, no, I think he'd be great at it because he's good at relationships. Yeah. 
Yeah. So true. Like it isn't about, and I would say like, I want to, I want to caution too. I'm not suggesting that you just wait for people to come Mm -hmm. up to you and be like, can I buy from you, Robin? Because you'll be waiting a long time and your business will fail. <laughs> yes. So there is an opportunity for you to initiate these conversations, but it does need to be somewhat careful and strategic. And that's why I teach this five-step approach because once you understand the steps and you know what to say and you know what step you're on, the sales process gets so much easier and it takes all of that angst well, I'm going to say it takes most of the angst out there. You might still have some angst about like, oh, I feel nervous because this could be a big account or can I deliver on, you know, once I sell it or whatever, there might still be some of that. But once you understand the selling process and these five steps, it just gets so much easier and the conversations flow. It's, it's like, again, I, I keep going back to the concept of water, but it's like water. It just flows. It's easy. It's not trying to force and you don't have to be this, you know, raging waterfall or this huge, you know, <laughs> tsunami wave. It's, it's really just this subtle, like, let's move together. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it should have a flow to it. How can you picture the selling staircase playing out in an event like the conference? The conference, for those of you who don't know, it's a two-day conference. We're together the whole time. People come and stay for the full two days. So you're in large groups together, small groups. There's networking events. So you really get to know a lot of the women. How would you see this kind of playing out in that scenario? So conferences are actually a really great opportunity for you to meet prospective clients. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about just going and handing out a bunch of business cards. That's a big no-no. But it is about going, making a really powerful first impression so that people are attracted. We love the no like, and trust factor. So let's make sure people feel connected and like us. And then you move to this, this opportunity to plant seeds around creating curiosity. So I do teach some steps around like, what would you say? How do you answer the question? Like, oh, what do you do? Or how are you? Or what brought you to the conference? Having an answer that would plant some seed and create some curiosity is really important because then people are going to ask you questions. And when they start asking questions, a lot of times those questions are potential buying signals. So then that's an opportunity for you when you get that, when that happens for you to say to somebody, you know, I wonder if there's an opportunity for us to have a deeper dive conversation around this. Like, should we schedule a time to like sit down and have lunch together? Or, you know, do you want to have dinner together and talk about this? Or should we schedule a time next week when you're back in your office? You know, but get, get something scheduled. And then you're now in the discovery phase. And then during that conversation, again, you're asking very strategic questions. Some of those questions should not some, all of those questions should really lead the person to hiring you and or figuring out this is not an ideal client or I don't have a solution for them, which is also okay, Mm -hmm. right? Like not everybody's a client. And then once that happens, then the proposal piece happens and then the close happens. So that's kind of a more natural way that it would, it would flow at a conference. But I also want to be really clear that it's okay for somebody to come up to you at a conference and be like, I'm ready to sign up for your program and for you to say, great, how would you like to pay for that and take their credit card right there? Like I'm, I am known for closing sales at conferences. 
when people come up and they're like, Hey Nikki, I want to be a part of your membership community. You know, I want to be in the sales maven society. Great. We can sign you up right now if that's really what they want to do. I love that. Just make it as quick and easy for people as possible. Yeah. And you know what it's like after the conference, you go home, you forget, you know, your bag by the door and it sits there for two weeks (laughs) and you forget to follow up with people. You forget in the moment how great something really was and how transformative it felt. And then you go home and you overthink it and all that stuff. Yeah, which is also why I'm a big fan of making some type of an offer in the room when you're the spe- when you're a speaker. You know, there I will have an offer at your event. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to have an offer at your event, like next steps for people, and make it really easy for them to get that. Because when you make it easy for people to take a next step with you, most of the time they will. And that's how you move somebody through the selling process: is you just make it easy. You issue invitations to each step. And then they take you up on it. I think sometimes we make things so difficult too. And even with when it comes down to actual business tactics with your your systems and your onboarding and the way your website's set up, I'm always telling clients, just keep it simple. Yes. The easiest way once they decide, how can you make it super streamlined, easy for them to say yes and pay you money? Don't make it hard for them to give you money. No, you want to make it as easy as possible for them. And again, oftentimes they will, or they'll tell you not yet, or they'll tell you no. And either like any of the three options are okay, but it really is your job to make it easy. And every time you put up a roadblock, which a roadblock, by the way, is, hey, let me know when you're available next week. Like that is such a roadblock. Like nobody's just available next week, right? Right. Like instead say, what do you think about us getting a time on our calendars? Like I have some time on Thursday or Friday. Does either of those work for you? And let them go, yeah, Friday. And then you get a time scheduled. Now you make it easy for them because when you call them on Friday, they're going to answer. Yes. And we try to make this really easy at the conference for all of you listening that are coming to the Lakeside Conference, we have a specific time during the second day where there are coffee chats in person at a table together. And so throughout the conference, as you meet people, if there's someone that you think, hey, I think we could collaborate on something in the future, or you want to get to know each other more, you sign up on the form in your binders, and there's a specific time for you to have a coffee chat. Uh, It's also at the same time that the speakers are doing one-on-one consulting sessions, but it's a great time to really take that to the next step. It's just a really natural way to get to know each other a little better while you're at the conference. Yeah. Take those opportunities. Don't, don't miss out on them. Don't think like, well, I'm just going to take your business card and I'll call you next week because I often ask people when I'm speaking in a big room, I'll ask people, how many of you have a stack of business cards sitting on your desk of people you're intending to call someday? And almost everybody raises their hand. I'm like, this is why you don't just take a business card and say, I'll call you next week because you're busy too. So take those opportunities when they present themselves. I love that you give people these chances for coffee chats. And man, I just met the best women last year at your conference. Like so many amazing women who have become clients who have become friends who who now I'm their client. It's just been phenomenal. It's a really great group of women for sure. 
And it's, it's a nice size so that you still can meet most of the women without it being so overwhelming. And I try to be very conscious of creating scenarios and environments where people feel included. I have special people on staff that are the cruise directors that go find the people that are sitting by themselves and encourage them to sit with someone else. I have people during the event that come up and say, attendees even, that woman's over there by herself. Is it by choice or can I go invite her? <laughs> and I say, go invite her, go invite her. That's just how the group is. And it's, it's phenomenal. You fit right in. <laughs> Thank so you. there's one step of the staircase that I struggle with at in-person events. And it is the one you mentioned about creating curiosity. You hear a lot in business, have your elevator speech, have this like perfected string of words that's going to tell people exactly what you do. Is it better not to have that or to have something that rolls off your tongue? Give me some advice on that. <laughs> okay. So curiosity is probably one of my favorite things that I teach. And I, I focus a ton on it in the Sales Maven Society too, because it's, it's the piece that oftentimes it's like people I'll tell them, I'll teach them, and then they'll like, then they'll forget. And then you got to teach them again. So I get that it can be a struggle. So I would, I would advise that you do have at least some type of an elevator pitch but you don't have to use your elevator pitch when you're creating curiosity. You might use pieces of it. So it is good that it, do, that it does roll off your tongue. But I'll tell you one of the things that I do when I meet somebody and they say, Nikki, what do you do? I tend to take like two seconds and I think to myself, what do I already know about this person? And how can I tailor my answer to something that might be interesting to them? Now, I might not know a ton, but let's say I'm at your conference. So I already know, like, here's a woman in business, because why would you go to Robin's conference if you weren't <laughs> a woman in business? And I, I can, you know, I can see this person because they're standing in front of me. So I can, you know, see a few things about them and maybe they've already told me what they do or, and so I might tailor my answer in a way that could be possibly interesting. So for instance, if I'm talking to somebody who's like, oh, I just wrote my first book and, you know, and I focus on this area of my business, then when they say, well, what do you do? I might say, well, I'm also an author and I just wrote my third book and I focus on relationship sales and how to have those conversations with people at conferences even of moving them through a process so you ultimately get to the place where you exchange dollars for services. Like that is not in any way my elevator pitch. But that would be my way to tailor an answer, hopefully, that would maybe spark some questions or some like, oh, so what's your book about? Or, um, oh, what were your other two books about? Because I mentioned my third book. Or how do, you, how do you work with clients on the relationship side? Like there's so many questions somebody could ask based on the answer I just gave. And then that will also give me an indicator based on the question they ask of something they might be interested to talk more about. Sure. So it really leads more into a conversation versus yes. kind of blurting out, this is what I do. What do you do? Which is usually the next question, mm -hmm. but it makes it more natural. I like that. And as a yeah. business coach, I could see really using that, like even at a networking event, if a realtor, if someone comes up and I know she's a realtor versus someone who's a crafter or a tax accountant, I can explain what I do in a way that would, they would respond to more. Yes. 
Okay. A hundred percent is like, you've got it now. It's think about, you know, what, think about the way that you serve women who are crafters and answer the, like, if you know that that's what she does and then pose a, a response that might spark interest with the people you've worked with who are crafters, you know, or like you said, real estate agent, same thing. Like one of the things I would say to a real estate agent, if they asked, what do I do? I might say, you know, I'm a, I'm a sales coach and I teach people how to set up themselves for long-term relationships. So when somebody's ready to buy, they know that that's the person they want to come to. Brilliant. Right? Like that yeah. may, and that, by the way, that was just kind of off the, yeah. Cause realtors, I may have a version of that. Yeah. Like I, I probably say, I probably said it a few times in, in different scenarios, but that's where I want you thinking like, what could I say that might be interesting to this person? Cause if I just say, well, like I'm a speaker, a coach and you know, a trainer right. and I have this, like, then it does sound like you never want to sound like, Oh, somebody just pulled Nikki string and she just repeated right. what she always says. And it usually does. And, and a lot of the things people will say, either it's so convoluted with all these crazy adjectives that I really have no idea what they do. Right. Or it's like you said, I'm an author, a speaker, and a business coach. Okay, great. Like there was nothing that related it to me or my plight or anything about me. It's just, that's literally what you do. So yep. I, okay. I like it. I can work with this and I could <laughs> definitely, the first thing I think of that just the way my brain is wired is sitting down to do some brainstorming and think of, you know, some of the people that I work with that I might encounter at these events and what are some things I could say so that at least I have, it's not just off the cuff these first few times I'm trying yeah. to do it that yeah. way. And I also like think it. about the things that the people you do work with, how do they describe you? How, what are some of the things they say? What's some of the feedback that you get from them? That might also help you get some ideas about how to frame your response because like attracts like sure. and people who are hiring you and paying you money you know, cause the other thing too, again, I, I think I said this earlier, not everybody's a client. So in a mm -hmm. way we want to attract our ideal clients, but we also in a, in a kind way want to repel people who aren't yes. ideal clients. I, I call it bless and release, yes, you know, cause I, I, want it to be, <laughs> I want it to be kind. Um, but that's okay too. And, and to be okay with like answering, you know, if you're talking to somebody and you're like, Oh, I don't particularly like to work with people in this, this field or, I don't feel a connection to this person or in some way, then maybe you don't tailor your answer so much. But for somebody that mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this person, this is interesting, or at least I'd like to investigate it a little bit more, be willing to tailor your answer. I always tell my clients too, when it's not a good fit, it usually means they're not going to have the transformation that they need to have because it's not a good fit. So if yeah. something's off, they're not going to refer you because they're not going to get the transformation they need. And there's probably someone else that would be a better fit so that they are, you know, you don't need to serve everyone. No one's asking you to do that. And it's probably not in your best interest or even the best for them if something's off. That's right. That's right. I can, I can like, I've had many people come and hire me that were referred by other people who didn't hire me because I wasn't the right fit for them. And I mm -hmm. recommended someone else or I suggested some other course of action for them. And then it's like, oh, well, Nikki's 
trustworthy because she's not just trying to see me as a dollar sign. Like I legitimately don't take on certain clients that are not ready for me or that I just don't feel like I could impact their business in the way that they are, you know, wanting bless and release. Yep. My dad owns a business and has my whole life. And he took us once to a party his client was hosting. Of course, he was trying to talk to us as little kids, but it, what I remembered is he said, I will always buy from your dad and he's the only one I'll buy from. And we were like, okay. (laughs) He said, the reason is because he'll never sell me something I don't need. So there was that respect of you're not using me. Like we talked about before, I'm not just a money sign to you. He's only going to sell me what I need. And so that has always stuck with me. I love that. So Nikki will be back this year and her workshop is Mastering the Art of Relationship Selling. It's all the things we've been talking about today, but a more step-by-step guide for you, more in-depth. What can someone expect to learn in this session? One of the things that I'll focus on in this sec- in this session is language because I find that when I give people some suggested language kind of in each step, then it makes it come to life for them, makes it a little bit easier. And not that you have to say my language, but it gives you a place to start so you can start to craft your own. So there will be the five steps. I'll go through those and then give some language in um, the majority of the steps. There'll be some language suggestions, which is one of the things that my clients love me for. And I love to pass on to other people too. I can vouch for that. I am in the Sales Maven Society And I have been devouring a lot of the content, but trying to do it strategically, (laughs) as is my style. I see something and go, nope, not yet. That's not, I'm not, I'm not working on that right, right now. I took copious notes and what I loved was the language was at this stage, this is something you can say, because we know how we want to feel in the conversation and we know how we want the other person to feel, but it's really hard to know how to ask questions to portray that authenticity and, mm-hmm. and that back and forth relationship. So I appreciate that as well. For anyone who's interested, that is a really fantastic program membership. And my next lesson that I'm going to be working through on there is about first impressions. So if you liked what Nikki was saying and want to learn more about that, there is a module in that program where you can learn about first impressions and what to say and the curiosity component. So all of that is in there for the taking. Attendees can also option to upgrade to a VIP ticket and have one-on-one time with you, which is invaluable. What would be a good way for people to spend that time with you? I'm going to say there are two, two options of ways to spend that time with me. One would be to have a very specific scenario or situation that you would like some coaching around the sale, you know, sales situation with, that would be one way. I love that stuff. I love questions. So if you have a real specific situation and questions for me, that's an opportunity for us to coach. The other thing is that I'm going to offer a selling strength assessment. So if there's a part of you that's like, I think I'm good at some parts of sales and I'm not sure about others, I'll have my selling strength assessment with me and we can talk through that assessment during that time and figure out 
what's really working for you? Where are some places that you need to pay a little bit more attention to, be a, more, be a little bit more strategic? And then where are some places that you're probably missing some opportunity by not having these skills? So then you know what you should pay attention to, like what to improve and then what to go learn. So that's what, so either of those two would be a good opportunity. And last year, those sessions, I loved those sessions. As a matter of fact, um, a few of the people I did sessions with are still clients today that are still implementing and working through some of the stuff that we worked on. And then others still keep in touch with me and talk about what they got out of the session. So yeah, it's amazing how much information you can glean or the conversations, the ahas, the insights you can get even in 15 or 20 minutes. And I see these women, they come in for their sessions. They've got their clipboard. They know exactly what they want to talk about. And there is some deep, you know, there's like steam coming out of the room because there's some great stuff happening. And so if people think, oh, it's only, you know, a short amount of time above and beyond, people have said the VIP happy hour, of course, and the mini sessions were their favorite part of the conference. And those are open to anyone. So you just need to upgrade to the VIP ticket, but there's no qualifications. Anyone can do that. Yes, please upgrade to the VIP ticket. I have learned from all of my years as a conference attendee. I never, ever regret spending the money to get the VIP ticket because the value that comes out of it. I just came back from a conference where I upgraded. Like I didn't buy the ticket initially and then I upgraded and oh my gosh, am I thankful that I did. Yeah, I don't really hear people have the opposite effect. So let's say someone does not is not able to wait until the conference and they want to get in touch with you right away and either schedule a session or join the Sales Maven Society, how can they get a hold of you? So you can get a hold of me by going to my website. And actually, I'm going to give you a free gift when you do this. So I'm going to give you a very specific URL. And this will allow for you to download um, a PDF that has language around the closing process. So it, it's closing the sales, what the, what the book's called. But it's a short book where it's got language suggestions and things for you to think about in the close process. So if you go to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash ebook, you can download that as my gift. And then you'll also then be on my website and you can contact me that way. Okay. And we will include that link in the show notes for everybody. So you can go check that out. That's very generous of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Nikki, I probably could talk to you for about two more hours, (laughs) (laughs) but we will finish for today and then probably have you on again in the future because there's so many things we could talk about. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with our audience. And I can't wait to see you again and give you a big hug and uh, clink our champagne cheers again this March. Looking forward to it. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. And now go get back to work. 